The Lord is kind and merciful. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You believe, Thomas, because you have seen. Blessed are those who have not seen and believe. Before we go too far, thinking that our Lord is talking about us because we haven't seen and we believe in the resurrection, let's think carefully about what happened on Easter Sunday and on the Sunday following so we can understand better who he has in mind and in what way. So remember back to Easter Sunday morning. The holy women, Mary Magdalene and others, went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled back. They were upset, thought the body was stolen. An angel appeared to Mary Magdalene and said, Go to Galilee. There you will see the Lord. He's risen. But she's still scared. She runs back to say that the tomb is empty. Peter and John, who love our Lord greatly, are compelled to run to the tomb. They go and they walk in, Peter first. They see and they believe, but they don't believe that the resurrection has happened. They believe that the women aren't lying to them. They now believe that the tomb really is empty. It's very clear from the Gospel of St. John because he says they did not yet understand the scripture that he had to rise from the dead. Besides, St. Thomas Aquinas and St. Augustine also say that they didn't yet believe in the resurrection. Meanwhile, Mary Magdalene encounters the risen Lord. He tells her what the angel told her. Go to Galilee. Tell my disciples to go to Galilee. There you will see me. That's very important. By the end of Easter Sunday, much will have transpired. Our Lord will have appeared to Peter. Our Lord appeared to the apostles, ten of them. Judas was no more. St. Thomas was not there. We know that our Lord appeared to Peter because St. Paul tells us that in his first letter to the Corinthians, that he appeared to Cephas first and then to the rest. Meanwhile, two disciples are on the road to Emmaus. And how does our Lord respond to their incredulity? He says to them, O foolish men, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Fortunately, he didn't walk away after that in disgust. He explained to them everything to which he was referring, everything in the sacred scriptures that he fulfilled. Then they recognize that it's him. They run back to Jerusalem. St. Mark's Gospel tells us, very importantly, when our Lord appeared to the apostles at the end of Easter Sunday, he does say, peace be with you. The risen Lord said, peace be with you quite a bit. But he also 
Mark 16, 14, upbraided them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. But he still said, peace be with you. Moreover, he gave them an even greater gift. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Whose sins you forgive are forgiven. Whose sins you retain are retained. Beautifully, when we hear mercy and justice, we naturally consider them in our own uneducated minds as being uh, intention or opposites. In the Old Testament, the word justice appears very differently from punishment and vengeance and all the other ways that our Lord is described as allowing the bad consequences of actions to be carried out. The word justice in Hebrew appears when God intervenes to restore the right order of things. It's exactly what we see on Easter Sunday. He upbraids them, he corrects them, and then he explains to them everything. He shows them his wounds. He gives them the Holy Spirit. A week later, we think, as we listen to these words from the Gospel of St. John, we think that St. Thomas is in big trouble. Doesn't believe. And in point of fact, he will be in trouble because the two men on the road to Emmaus were in trouble. The apostles were in trouble. They didn't believe the ones who were sent to them. They didn't even believe the ones who said, I have seen the risen one. So sure, he's in trouble. But at the same time, the apostles are in trouble too. Twice they were told through the angel, through our Lord, go to Galilee. Then they, they didn't go to Galilee. They're still in Jerusalem. It's a week later. When we hear in St. John's Gospel of our Lord appearing to them a week later, he goes through the closed door or locked door. We don't need to figure out if that's really barricaded out of fear of the Jews. We know perfectly well they are not supposed to be there. They are supposed to be in Galilee. Regardless of how barricaded or closed or secure the door is, matters not. What's, what's worse, to be adamant that he doesn't believe and St. Thomas admits it, or to know, not even to believe in the resurrection, they've seen him, they know the resurrection has happened, and yet they are frozen. They're disobedient. They have not gone to Galilee. When our Lord enters into the scene and St. Thomas is there, again he says, peace be with you. Does our Lord have to say how foolish you are not to believe those who have seen me already? I don't think so. I think Thomas has already chastened well enough in, in beholding the risen Lord. And he says, put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it on my side. Do not be faithless, but believe me.
Then when our Lord says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Doesn't sound like he's praising us just yet. It sounds like he's praising the Blessed Virgin. She didn't need to see him. She didn't need to probe the nail marks and the wound in the side to believe. As soon as she knew the tomb was empty, she believed. Meanwhile, we have to ask ourselves, in which category do we fit? There are some whose faith is near perfect. We, we might compare them to the Blessed Virgin. They believe not because they just feel really strongly and just because something very strange happened to them that made them think that uh, what, they, what the idea in their head is true. They believe, they have faith because God actually is in them. God has revealed himself to them. Some of us may be in that category. I would suppose a lot of us are like the apostles who know that Jesus rose from the dead, but we're still in the closed room in Jerusalem. And we're not in Galilee. We know that he rose from the dead. We believe it. But we're disobedient. We're afraid. Now there may be those going undescribed, who don't believe, but still are with the apostles just because they're desperately afraid. They have no other option. They don't know where to go. We certainly know that there is one who does not believe and is with the apostles. And he makes it clear that he does not believe. St. Thomas. And so he is singled out because he doesn't believe. At the same time, he's being singled out because he, unlike the rest, is not willing to fake that he believes. Unlike those who believe but are afraid of the consequences of believing, he doesn't believe, but he's not afraid of the consequences. He's adamant, I don't believe. This is what it's going to take for me to believe. That should remind us of how many times Lukewarmness and mediocrity are praised in the sacred scripture, which is to say, zero times. Be hot or be cold, but don't be lukewarm. Lukewarm I spit out of my mouth. The one who is most honest and most candid stands to benefit the most from being in the presence of our Lord. And so our first consideration is, where, where do I fit into this? Is my, is my faith perfect? Is my faith real but afraid and ineffectual? Do I pretend to have faith? Do I not have faith, but I don't pretend? The second consideration, both for our own benefit, but also as we who believe to one degree or another, struggle with those who don't believe, 
we can recognize the remedy. The remedy is being in the presence of God. Time spent with the risen Lord. Even those to whom he spoke, in front of whom he ate fish, being with the risen Lord once didn't fix everything. Once this second Sunday of Easter is finished, then St. John gives us beautiful descriptions of what happened when they did go up north to the Sea of Galilee and had amazing experiences with them. By the time of the ascension, they will be so changed that when they see him go up into heaven, they're not afraid. They're rejoicing. They praise God publicly in the temple in Jerusalem. They're praying as as a community in the upper room, not locked, but private. And our Lord had mercy on them. He spent time with them. He didn't just scold them. He came back. The vindictive God of another religion could very well have just said through another messenger, by the way, I told you to go to Galilee. That's where I'm waiting for you. No, he came back to Jerusalem. Not just once, at least twice. On Easter Sunday and a week later, he came back. They weren't supposed to be there, but he came back. So they could eventually go and where they're supposed to be. The Lord is kind and merciful. When when we then struggle with those who do not believe, we need to remember this. Go back to where they are. Don't tell them, this is where I am and I'm waiting for you. We also know that to get from there to here, the difference will be time spent with Jesus, not with us. The difference won't be listening to all of our arguments. The difference won't be, be like me, just go along with it. They have to spend time with our Lord. Like the holy women, like the angel, we can help them, we can point them in the right direction, but ultimately, they need to spend time with Him. We all need to spend time with Him. So indeed, blessed are those who have not seen and believe. Blessed are they. Blessed are they and full of grace, touched by the Holy Spirit in the company of the Blessed Virgin Mary. How joyful and peaceful they are. Not only knowing about heaven, but already on earth, experiencing the presence of the risen Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.